Someday, I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. But the trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with lights. Purple, green, brilliant yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take... Hey you fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And welcome to episode 101. I love those intro clips, you know. I always want to shout, unlimited rice pudding, alongside alongside McCoy. There was a little pause there, because I was waiting for you to do your usual thing, but have you canned it now? No, it's it's canned after episode 100. Oh, that is gone, is it? It's gone. Right, just so I know in the future. (laughs) I might surprise you with it now and again. (laughs) (laughs) So, Who fans, hope you've had a fantastic week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives. How have you been, buddy? I've been good. Yes, very good. Thanks. Yeah, I've... uh, I'm another year older now. Thank you for your birthday picture of me with my my sonic very nice year older and a year yeah. wiser if only i think i'm getting worse actually only, a year yeah. older and a year year more stupider um but yeah i'm a year older but uh, that did mean that i could go up to london for the day and spend money and not feel guilty uh-huh, so i was cool. just like i went up to fp forbidden planet and i was just like right i don't i can buy what i like today it's my birthday blah 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 I can do whatever i want and uh, <laughs> and so i did but actually surprisingly there wasn't that much in there i wanted so i didn't didn't spend too much but i did get the finally get the target book um oh, the, cool. the, new, yeah. the new hardback edition um yeah it went through all 100 copies on the shelf to find the perfect one and uh, and then <laughs> and then got got battered to bits on the way home but no no i'm really <laughs> pleased that it's a great book um what else did i get Oh, I bought a Lethbridge Stewart novel. They had Moon Blink on the shelf, so I grabbed that. And a couple of comics, yeah. And a couple of Titans, I thought, because I didn't get many presents. (laughs) When you get to my age, you don't get much in the way of things to open. So I didn't get many presents, but um, so I thought... Get the violins out, here we go. Yeah, where's that tiny violin? So I thought, I'll go and sit and have a coffee. I'll open some blind bags, because you know I love them. (laughs) So I bought a couple of those. I got an X-Files one, Doctor Who one, obviously, a Sherlock one, and a Ghostbusters one. And oh, cool. uh, sat there in in the coffee in the little coffee shop opening those. Um, I have to say, I've I have never had such bad luck with Titans as I've had with the Sherlock collection. <laughs> I okay. literally wanted to dunk it in my coffee and destroy it. I, I've I, I think there's about I don't know let's see twelve in that series, and I've managed to get about twenty. Uh, Watson, fig- John Watson figures, and none of the others. I opened it, and it was another John Watson. I was like, "Oh, for goodness sake!" <laughs> so I, I, that series has just done me in, really. But I still keep buying them in the hope that I just might get a different figure. <laughs> oh, I did, dude. That's, that's yeah. the luck of the draw, mate. I know that is the thing with those blooming Titans, isn't it? Blooming. 
Limit times. But yeah, so yeah. I've had a good week. I had a nice, nice week up in London and uh, visited the old sci-fi collector shop, Stamp Centre, oh, cool. as it's known on the, on the strands there. And yep. uh, they've still got some classic Doctor Who sets in there. They've got one that I, I'd quite like um, of the John Pertwee. Uh, I think it's the Time Warrior set with the big um, uh, Sontar and Ball. Oh, so yeah. yep. I was eyeing that up, but uh, <laughs> I didn't get it. Um, so, right. yeah, so a very good day. Um, and apart from that, not a lot. Come home, read my comics, watched our review app, and here we are, <laughs> ready to ready to go. Here we are. Yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? I, I know you've bought a Funko Pop. Have I? K9. Ah, I bought him ages ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. I thought it was only recently we were talking about him and I was, I was trying to convince you to buy him. No. Or was that ages ago? No, I bought him when I went to... When I went into London and met up with... Uh, I bumped into Adam, Ad. the ultimate Whovian. Ah. And then we took a trip over to FP and picked him up then. Oh, right. It's just that only now you've posted a, an Instagram picture. Yeah. Well, ah. I was dusting all the figures off on the shelf, so <laughs> I thought I'd stick the old canines together. Um. Yeah, not much, mate. Yeah, I just wanted, before I get into what I've been up to, just wanted to say again, huge happy birthday, buddy. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. Uh, many thanks. happy returns. Hope you hope you got all you wanted. <laughs> I did. Actually, I will just, I must just say thanks to everybody who, who wished me a happy birthday on the Facebook post that you put up as well, because a lot of people left messages and I, I tried to reply to everybody. Um, and yeah, thank you to all your, for all your birthday wishes. It really was lovely actually, because I was up in London. Um, I spent a lot of time on, on my own, which is what I wanted because I didn't want anyone else with me while I was shopping because I wanted to spend hours <laughs> in the shop without someone saying, are you done yet? So it was really nice. I was just shopping, uh, getting loads of notifications, loads of messages from you guys. So thanks very much for all your, your birthday wishes. It, it, it was really, really nice of you. Thanks. You felt the love. I really did. Yeah, yeah, I really did. And I I got home and I thought I'd managed to reply to everybody. But because I'd put so many pictures up at the day, um, I I was finding loads of posts that I'd missed because I'd sort of click on a picture that I'd put up. So say if I'd put up four pictures in one post and people had sort of commented on individual pictures as well. So there were loads of messages that I'd missed at one point. So hopefully I got to say thanks to everybody. But if I didn't, I'm saying it now. Thanks. <laughs> if I didn't, here's a catch-all. Yeah, here's a big thank you. Big old <laughs> thank you. <laughs> oh, nice one, dude. Me, what I've been up to? Not much really. Um, done a bit of the old uh, classic watching as usual over the past yeah. week. Um, watched a couple of McCoys. Watched Remembrance. Yeah. Again. Again, you yes. like that one now, don't you? Do I? Yes, you do. I can't say. Yeah. I can't say too much because I'm sure that we're going to do a revisit of that. Yeah, I thought we were going to do that for episode 200. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I've probably watched it a few more times since then. But it's definitely an interesting one. Mm. Definitely um, definitely lots in there to talk about. Yeah. That's yeah, for sure. I think, let's put it this way. You see it in a different, you see it in a different light to when we reviewed it, which was way back. Way back, way. When, yeah. Yes. Would it be fair to say that? Yeah. Um. Yes, it would. Yeah. Um, I don't even know when we reviewed it. It was a long time ago. It was anyway. a while back, yeah. And, um, yeah, and I'm not going to, yeah, I don't want to talk about the, the actual story too much because I want to leave that for when we do uh, revisit it. But uh, I think most of you guys know that um, my opinion on Mr. McCoy has changed uh, somewhat over the past year or so. Uh, I, I started off really just not being into his doctor at all, really. 
Mm. I just couldn't, no matter how how hard I tried, I just could not get into, you know, the McCoy era. Just couldn't do it. And I don't know what, I, maybe if you guys remember, I've got a terrible memory, but if you remember on Twitter or Facebook, I'd probably put a post on there or something to say, sort of turned a corner and really got into McCoy. And there was a, a reason for it. I, I can't remember, but something just clicked. It must have been an episode that I watched of his. Something just clicked in me. And uh, and it, my opinion just changed almost overnight about McCoy. I think wasn't it <clears throat> when you were watching? It was either Ghostlight or Curse of Fenric. I seem to remember you you yeah. putting up a post saying, "I just yeah, something's like clicked." I think it was McCoy. I think it was Fenric. I think it might have been Fenric. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that story or <clears throat> or McCoy in that story really sort of you know got me into his thing. Yeah, um, but yes. Huge fan of McCoy. Yeah, I'm glad about that because I I'm a I love that era, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I sometimes you know you have to sort of defend McCoy. Not everybody likes that era, but is it, I think he is quite a popular doctor now, yes. which um, yeah. which wasn't always the case. Yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad you've got into him. Yeah, and I think also because of doing the podcast and being able to talk to Andrew Cartmel and reading his book, and mm. it, it does get you more into that that whole era so it's good yeah because all the stuff behind the scenes you mean it's yeah. a bit more interesting than, than you might think yeah yes absolutely uh also um today in fact uh big finish have released um the classic doctor's new monsters box set yes starting to think they'd forgotten didn't you finally they left it a bit late yeah. didn't they i know they said july but they're cutting it a wee bit fine they are um because i hounded <laughs> them on twitter a little bit last week you weren't well, the only one so yeah. i'm not being funny but is this coming out of what? <laughs> you say July. That's almost up. Give me it. Yeah. Immediately. I, it. <laughs> I paid money for it. Let's have it. I want it now. Mm. Slightly impatient, but um, but I'll tell you what, the cover art is amazing. It's great, isn't it? So have you started downloading it, have you? Yes. 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 I will be doing so uh, as soon as we finish this podcast, actually. Um, I wonder if it's on the, because I've downloaded the Big Finish app. It is on the app. It's on the app. Oh, yes. great. So I'll be able to put it straight on my phone. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one very much. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but Tom Webster is the guy that did the cover art for it. Mm-hmm. Such a cool guy as well. If you um, search for him on YouTube, you just do Tom Webster Doctor Who or Tom Webster Big Finish or something. There's a few videos of him. I think he knocks about with Crystal from the Doctor oh. Who fan show now and then. Uh, really, really cool guy. And his artwork's just amazing. Like... I'm wondering if he's done. I saw somebody posted this morning. Where is it? Um, this is obviously just gone up on Big Finish site, I assume. Uh, the cover art for Order of the Daleks. Have you seen this? Yes. Six Doctor yeah. with a with a Dalek that's sort of made of looks like church windows and and um, scaffolding, and it's it's a really interesting cover. I wonder if he did that one because no, it's, he uh, didn't. No. Oh, he didn't. That's okay. not Tom. That's a guy called uh, um, Holub. Uh, what's his name? Um, it's a guy called um, something Holub, and his his artwork is equally as impressive. It's amazing. I'm really liking the look of this, yeah, because yes. I'm a bit bored of the Daleks on Big Finish, I'll be honest with you, but um, just by the cover alone, I think I might order that. It looks really nice. Yeah, it's like made out of stained glass windows, this Dalek. Yeah. Isn't it? it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, yes, uh, Simon Holub is the cover artist for that one. Ah, well, nice one, Simon. Equally as good. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, looking forward to listen to listening to that later. It's going to be um, 
hoping it's going to be epic. Um, mm. The other thing, really, is just getting ramped up for Comic-Con, London Comic-Con yeah. this weekend. That's it. I was going to ask you if you were getting ready. I, I see they finally posted the photo shoot schedule. Have you seen it? Finally, yeah. They've left that late as well. Yeah. Um, Can you make head or tail of it? Cause I, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm looking I looked at. at <laughs> no, I looked at it the other day and it's all different colours and uh, I don't know. I'm probably being stupid, but no, I just I can't work it out at all. I was just thinking, I don't know. Literally, it's just one of those hands up, big shrug, like, yeah, whatever. Like, whatever. we'll figure it out on the day, I suppose. But yeah, um, honestly, I I can't make head or tail of it. It's uh yeah, and I saw tweets as well to people um, uh, from people tweeting Showmasters saying, it's my first time going, I'm really nervous, you know, I don't know what's going on. And they're just replying like, oh, it's all fine, the FAQs are nice and simple, just read those, read them, you'll be fine. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, hmm. Yeah. It depends how busy it is, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to be super busy. Yeah. although mm, They haven't sold out though. I think, see, or I think they? Doctor Who was, no, they haven't sold out, no. And I'm thinking Doctor Who wise, the Sunday might be the busier because it seems that's the more Doctor Who orientated in terms of guests. Yeah. So I got a feeling most Doctor Who fans will probably be there on the Sunday, I assume. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, the only reason I've been looking forward to this photo schedule coming up is because when I went to the Cardiff Comic Con, was that this year or last year? I've forgotten now. Last year. Last year, blind yeah. me. It's gone quick. Um, I only wanted to meet a few people and I think I had like three or four photo shoots. So I thought, ah, you know, that's, that's not going to take long. And it was, um, the, it was so, the whole day went so quick and it was so manic. And I was just thinking, blimey, there's a lot more people I want to meet at the London one. So I better be a bit more organized for this one. Um, <laughs> but, but having looked at the schedule, I'm just like, huh? Yeah, so, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. As long as we get that picture, Yep. Both of us, we've um, you know, both get a picture with McCoy and McGann on the TARDIS. We'll be, we'll both be happy, won't we? Absolutely, yes. And I think it's from what I can gather, I think it's later, quite late in the day on Sunday, which is good for me, because um, I think on the Saturday it's like half eleven. And I was thinking, gosh, if I was trying to get up to that, um, might be pushing it for me because I don't think I'll get there till about half eleven, twelve. I don't think. Okay, I'm planning to get up there fairly early. Oh yeah, on the okay. Sunday now, yeah, because I want to get up there and um, hit FP first. Wow, um, they won't be open till twelve they, on a Sunday. No, no, not on Sundays. I open thought there like was normal. like a trading law that you you can't you can go in, but you're not allowed to buy anything. Really? Until twelve? I don't know. Sunday Sunday trading laws in the UK are a bit. Oh, bit that might scupper like the plans yeah. then. Yeah, might need to check on that. Okay, um, yeah, so I'm going to get up there fairly early anyway and just grab a coffee and chill out. I did see some people saying as well, they're like, um, you started the photo shoots at 9.30, obviously doors open at 9, uh, a lot of people going in, is that not sort of a bit, cutting it a bit fine? Mm. And they were just like, no, nah, should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> should be all right. You know, just, you know, some of the photo shoots are like 60 odd quid. It's just, uh, you know, they're a bit blasé about it, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And the photo clashes as well. I saw somebody today saying, what about the photo clashes? And they were just like, well, yeah, you should be able to sort it out. You know what I mean? It's just like it's not these aren't cheap. You know what I mean? They're taking our money, but they're not that. You know, eh, it's down to you, isn't it? If they clash, and that's the only thing about not having the schedule up. People can't really plan it when they buy the the things, can they? That's so, true. Yeah, mm, and I, th- I saw um I saw a uh, uh, a photo on there which I didn't see before because I knew that um 
uh, Paul McGann, sorry, was doing a shoot in the TARDIS, and then they added the Paul McGann and Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. Now you can get McCoy, McGann, and Colin Baker in the TARDIS. Yeah, I saw that, but then, like a lot of lot of people commented, I'm thinking, well, Colin, no, I don't really want Sylvester and McGann because they're they're in the TV movie. I don't really, no offense to Colin, but I don't really want him in there because he's nothing to do with that console. If you see what I mean, is he like the third wheel? Is he like, I, the, you know, that's the way I see it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I just want McGann and McCoy because they're <laughs> they're part of the TV movie. <laughs> Sorry, Colin. Sorry, Colin. You're not wanted nah. this time. Get out. <laughs> get out. I think they're doing one with Michelle Gomez as well, and she can get out. Yeah, she can do one. She's not got anything to do with that yeah. that lovely Eighth Doctor console. Get out. Yeah. How do you feel about this then, Colin? Change, my dear. <laughs> Anyways, it's going to be cool. Sunday is going to be, be a, an awesome day. I, I think it's going to be a knackering, tiring long day. So it's going to have to be comfy Tuesday. Yes. But uh, yes, looking forward to that. Very much. Yeah, can't wait. Actually, coming round quick. Before we do the news, mm-hmm. let's announce the winner of our giveaway while we remember. Yes, good, it'll get, good idea. We'll get to the end of the show and we'll finish and then we'll get loads of tweets and messages saying, are you guys taking the bleep? I did underline it on my notes today and still forgot until you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, uh, let me just load up the randomizer thingy-majiggy. That's it. Right, here I we wish go. you could get some 70s sound effect when you do this. So when you start the randomizer, we can get a sort of... <laughs> I will do that for next time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'll leave you to do it. Okay. Right, here we go. I'm going to push the button. It, this happens in like a half a second, by the way. But if you want to do it for a few seconds, then that's fine. Right, three, two, one, go. And drum roll. The winner is... Alex Kingdom. Alex Kingdom. Alex Kingdom, yes. Oh, well done, Alex. I'm glad about that, actually, because Alex um, contributes every week. So well done, Alex. Yeah. Well deserved. Nice one, buddy. Uh, we will be in touch. We'll uh, we'll email you or something uh, and get your deets, and we'll get that stuff out to you. Oh, superb. Good stuff. Rightio. Shall we land the TARDIS and do some news? Yes, let's do it. First up, any of you uh, listeners that are into writing your own Doctor Who stories could be in luck if you want one of them published. Mm. Uh, there's a um, there's a uh, a, a self uh, published book uh, going out in over in Canada oh. uh, later on in the year um, by Pencil Tip Publishing, and it's called the Temporal Logbook Two. They did one uh, a while ago, um, which was a very, uh, which was really highly rated. Apparently, I've not, I personally I hadn't heard of this before, um, but uh, I did a little um, read up on it, and apparently it was rated quite highly. Um, okay. So they're going to do a, a version two, and they're going to open it up for submission. So you've got an entire day, which will be July the thirty first, and it's um, essentially a series of short stories for each doctor. And if you, like I said, if you're into your fan fiction, if you've if you've written Doctor Who stories before, or if there's something in the back of your mind, if you've sat there and you've you've watched uh, 
a particular story or you've listened to a big finish or something like that and you've got this really cool idea in your head you're like wow that would be a really good doctor who story this could be your chance to get it down in black and white and get it out in a book um so all you have to do is um email um a one to two page outline um of what the the basic plot of your story essentially and a brief bio about yourself and that's it so even if you haven't got the completed story done in your head yet or if you've got a really good idea then all you need to do is email that over so it's one to two pages i'm assuming like an a4 word document or something like that um your full name and email a brief bio about yourself and then what they'll do is they'll go through all of the um submissions and they'll pick out like the best ideas really um the the ones that they feel will make the best story and they're looking for stories for each doctor so um, it's going to be uh, this book will be made up of 12 stories and it's going to be one story per doctor from Hartnell through to um, through to Capaldi Capaldi yes <laughs> I had McGann in my head then I think it ah. <laughs> doesn't stop at McGann does it um, yeah so this sounds really good I'm not sure about anyone else in there but there are numerous times when i'm sitting in a bath or i'm on the train or something like that and i think to myself that would make a cool doctor who story but mm. then i just don't have the, you know it i just don't write it down or i just you know it i sort of lose it and i don't you know progress that idea any further if if that's something that you've done just put it down just get a post-it note get a piece of paper open up your laptop whatever get the the idea down send it over you never know they might think, yeah, that's a really cool story. Then, then the pressure's on to actually write the story. But they're only mm. short stories, so you don't have to write a novel. You don't have to go crazy, anything like that. It's just a collection of short stories. The Temporal Logbook, so the 31st of July, we'll put a link in the show notes, and you could have your story printed in a book, which, which would be, be awesome. Very cool. and, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this Temporal Logbook version 2, it's not out this year. It's out early next year. Yeah. But uh, I know a lot of people yes. do. I know a lot of people do like their own... Um, fan series and fan fiction Doctor Who, don't they? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it, guys. Go for it. Okay, in uh, in other news, the mothball, as you call him, I love that, <laughs> the mothball. He's, uh, he's been talking about Series 10 uh, in Doctor Who magazine, this month's Doctor Who magazine, which actually comes out today or yesterday, I suppose it will be, by the time this podcast goes out. Uh, I'm still waiting for mine to drop through the letterbox. So crumpled up I'm sure it will be folded in mangled. half and pushed through any any minute now. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> looks like another cracking issue, by the way, just before we get into this new thing. It's got the second half of the, the 12 Doctors poster and it's got some art cards in it, so it looks like a cracking issue. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Stephen Moffat, he's basically been saying that when he agreed to do one more run, he thought, and I'm quoting him here, sod it. I'm not doing the march to the scaffold. I want it to feel like a brand new show. I want it to feel like episode one of a new series. I want to leave it. It's all just beginning. Oh, I want to to leave it like it's all just beginning, he yeah. says. Yeah, which is interesting because he may be thinking that, but so far from what we know of it, it feels really stale to me. So I'm really hoping that we're going to be in for real surprise when series 10 hits the screens. And I'm, I'm liking that he's thinking along those lines. So I hope, I hope he, he's right. You know, I hope that's what actually ends up translating onto screen. Cause, um, I think it needs some freshening up. Yeah. Uh, I, sure. That was music to my ears when I read that. Yeah. Yeah. And I like you, 
it, I'm a little bit skeptical because what we've seen in you know all the various shoots and little snippets that they've put out and stuff it doesn't feel like a new show just yet yeah. but then that's a bit unfair to sort of slap that assumption on it when we've only seen little snippets you know it's it's hardly an indication of what we're going to see on the screen you know next year so um however it's, it, i think the only reason we're saying that is because we we you know as blase as we can say it like this we know the moth fairly well by, mm-hmm. by now you know it's not it's not like he's a first time writer and we don't really know what he's about we, we've been involved in what's in his head for the past how many years now three four years longer yeah so we know him fairly well so we know what you know what he's what he's about however it is really good to hear that you know he's just basically saying yeah just as his quote said like sod it you know i'm just going to do and that's what we said didn't we i think going back four or five episodes when we were speaking about series 10 we said didn't we that we were hoping that his attitude was you know sod it i'm going to do it the way i want to do it i'm going to you know so this is good this is really good that he wants to make it feel like a brand new show because the worst thing that could happen was for it to feel like something that we've already seen for the past few years. Mm-hmm. And when we come on to our review of Crimson Horror, that was one of the things that I initially thought when I started watching it. I was like, oh, this doesn't feel, you know, like something cutting edge and, you know, something new and exciting. So I'm mm-hmm. really hoping that this new series, and I'm not sure how the Christmas special is going to pan out. I'm really not sure how that's going to link into series 10 if at all i'm not sure but good news so far yeah definitely um he he does go on to say a little bit about pearl as well which i think is important in making this series feel fresh uh, because obviously we get a new companion which does bring a bit of excitement with it doesn't it Mm -hmm. so he says pearls uh has this sort of boldness and ability to tap into the humor of the part without making it an overtly comic performance which was a bit like you said earlier music to my ears because i I did think in her intro clip she was a little bit theatre and over the top. So hopefully she'll find her feet a bit more when she actually gets into the full series. So yeah, like you said, I hope um, I hope we get to see some good stuff from the Moff in this in his final tenure. Yeah. Uh, next in the news, we've got a really funny video that have been re- released. Um, yeah. Uh, from Ralph Little, who you might know from uh, the Royal Family. Um, two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Those you must. I'm saying you must know him. He's he's very popular British actor, uh, young guy. And there was a few tweets that did the rounds going back a few weeks now about Ralph Little being spotted in Cardiff. Well, there was. A, so, did you see these pictures of? Um, there was like this van, uh, <laughs> like uh, part of the crew, with a great big window inside of it. it might have been like a. Um, what do you call it? Like work, not a van, but what do you call it? Um, a stationary van. Yes. And yeah. uh, basically had a big window in it and you could see all these casting pictures up on the wall. It was, I said, cause I was saying, well, if that's supposed to be top secret, they're not doing a very good job <laughs> yeah. by hiding it, having it clearly visible through this massive window at the side of it. Like Porter cabin was the word I was trying to think of. Um, yeah. And his picture was up there with a, with a name and, and all that. So I think that started it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and obviously he's been spotted down in Cardiff, but he's, yeah. yeah. So they've put this video out, which is hilarious. It's, it's him doing like a selfie video and, uh, he starts off, he's just in like a black corridor. It's just darkness. He's in this corridor and he's like, I just want to put to rest, you know, I want to deny any of the rumors that 
I'm involved with Doctor Who. And as he's talking, he's walking onto the TARDIS set. It is like, I've not I've got, had no involvement in the show. I've never even visited the set, anything like that. And he's walking around the TARDIS. He goes up on the balcony and he walks around. Um, and it, the, the way it's done is just so funny because it's only short. It's only, I don't know. It's just a minute. A minute or so minute. long, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's completely straight in the video. He doesn't give anything away, does he? No, it's a great little video. And I only watched it this morning before we kicked off. And it, it's brilliant because, like you said, he's he's clearly been sort of a um, bit cheeky with it. And the TARDIS just looks amazing anyway in the background, doesn't it? He's obviously walking around with a selfie stick. Yeah. Um, this yeah. TARDIS set is beautiful Just when you just have somebody just walking around it like that. But, yeah, it's really nice to sort of... Um, to do it that way because it's it's something a bit different isn't it so clearly we're assuming he is in it but um but it's a fun way of of, of doing it i think it does make me think though could there be more to it could it be that he's forgotten is it a sort of play on the joke that perhaps the silence are coming back and he's forgotten or so i don't know i just wondered if there was more to the fact that he's yeah. pretending he's forgotten he's in it probably not but i Possibly like to read there. in Possibly, yeah. I like to read into these things. Yeah, it's a great little video, though. I've watched it a couple of times, and it's just so funny. Yeah. Um, so Ralph Little, quite—he's not a bad actor, actually. He's—he's he's quite good from what I've seen of him. Yeah, I used to—I I only really know him from Royal Family because I didn't really watch Three Pints of Lager and Packet Crisp. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's—he's he's good little actor. Yeah, I think he'll be be quite good in it if he is in it. Yes. Yeah. I—I I think it's safe to say that he is. Yeah, I think I think you know, so. Because the the photo of the they put out as well is him leaning across the TARDIS console. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think it's safe to say Ralph Little will be in series ten. Yeah. Um. So yes, that's funny. Go and check it out. Go and check out the video clip. Okay, and finally in the news, and here is a great bit of news. John Barrowman is, is such a big tease in so many ways, uh, all of them good. Uh, basically, he's been on a few talk shows uh, recently, and um, and he's basically said that he's trying to get Torchwood back on TV, um, sort of hinting that he's in discussions, isn't it? That he's, <laughs> he's uh, been speaking to people, and he was at San Diego uh, Comic-Con over the weekend, and he said, I have a phone conversation on Monday to see how we can get it back on television the fans know me well enough i'm only going to say it if i mean it and believe it so i mm. i know I, we all know that barrowman loves playing captain jack he would return to that role in a flash be it in doctor or torchwood i think um so yeah, it's quite exciting yeah. that the thought that there are talks going on to to bring it back to tv and i um i find this quite hopeful even though there's nothing confirmed or or whatever i, I find it quite hopeful that that he's in discussions to bring it back to TV. Yes, it's an interesting one. And I, I think this is a natural sort of progression for Torchwood over the past year because it started with Big Finish bringing back Torchwood. Yes, yeah. With the Big Finish stuff, which is, as we all know, is completely canon and official, you know, because the license agreement with Big Finish is that they continue or enhance and bring out new stories based on the actual characters and situations from the show. Yeah. So that's an all official thing. Then we had uh, the Titan comic run where oh, we yes. had a brand new um, storyline and a brand new, um, uh, yeah, just a collection of stories. And I think they were written by John Barrowman. I think he was one of the writers on there. Uh, he definitely had some involvement. Yeah, he might yeah. have been a writer. I'm not sure. Yeah. And then we've had a couple of books as well written by John Barrowman and his sister. Her name escapes me now. Mm. But they sort of co-wrote a couple of Torchwood novels, didn't they? Yes. 
So it's all kind of ramped up slowly over the past year or so. So I think this is like the, the next sort of natural step for Torchwood is to actually come back on TV. And I think there's definitely demand for it. I think if I think if an announcement went out to say that Torchwood was coming, even if it was for just one more series, I, I think the fans would be very pleased. Oh, there's yeah. definitely still a big fan base out there for it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it could it could come back. It is a shame we've lost a couple of the main characters, you know, that they got killed off. Because I think when you look at, you know, series one, two, and, and even Children of Earth and that, that they were a great team, weren't they? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we've only really got out uh, the original team, only really got Gwen and Jack left, haven't we? Is there any, anyone else survive? Reese, I suppose. Reese, yeah. Um... Um, Yanto is, of course... <laughs> Dead. Mind you, this is Torchwood. Anything could happen. They could have anything <laughs> lurking in that basement to bring characters back. And we all know that nobody dies in Doctor Who. So why should that not apply to Torchwood? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They could bring anyone back, couldn't they? If they really wanted to. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it's in the world of TV, especially Doctor Who. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, if if John Barrowman has a word with the mothball, I'm sure he'll say, well, yeah, I did it with Clara a few times. Don't worry about it. The fans yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all, but yeah i think Torchwood coming back would be would be cool it would be good yeah yes. yeah like to see it yes that concludes the news mm. daleks that, are waiting i can hear them outside banging plungers yeah. against the door let us in let us in match corner match corner match corner i don't know that to be impressed or disgusted it's a bit rubbish but it's pretty. It's very pretty. It's very pretty. Really pretty. Uh, right, we've only got a couple of bits of uh, merch to go through, but this first one is so good. Um, this surprised me when this popped up yesterday. Yeah. And that wasn't that was actually unintended, what I just said there, but it did surprise me. It did. Me as well. <laughs> me included. Uh, you guys know that we love the Pop uh, Funko uh, figures. Mm. Uh, you and I have got quite a few of them. We have, yeah. And they release, they're releasing a new series, Series 3. And yeah. I tell you, mate, a couple of these look absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they really do. I think this is a really nice little collection, actually. I'm, I'm surprised and delighted. Yeah. It's, um, so there's five, six, six new figures in the series, uh, consisting of David Tennant in his blue suit carrying... His, uh, his hand in the little bio tank thing. It's a good hand. No, what does he say? Is it, is it good hand? Or something? I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Look. That looks really good. The only thing is... I, I, it's a fighting hand. That's, that's what it. Yeah, it's a fighting yeah. hand. The, the only thing is, and you have to... This is something you just have to deal with with the Pop Funkos, is that they will, they will use the same head sculpt and the same body and stuff from previous figures they just add like a little prop to it or something like that yeah however the blue suit with the red converse and stuff does look very cool it looks great i like the blue suit yeah, yeah. it looks great uh next up is uh the 11th doctor where he has the cyber mat uh cyber technology stuff over his face mm-hmm. um what was his uh mr clever Mr. Clever, yeah, from from the nightmare. Night, yeah, the just, nightmare. I just call it the nightmare. The I don't nightmare. even bother finishing that. Set. Yeah, the nightmare yeah. story. Yeah, he looks really good. Uh, next up, we have the twelfth Doctor in his Sonic shades, holding <laughs> a guitar in his now, hoodie and t-shirt. I may hate the Sonic shades, but this figure looks great. 
<laughs> you can't hate this figure. I know we, no. <laughs> you, know, you and I, along with so many other people, have bashed the Sonic shades to death now. However, the Pop Funkos, they look so cute. He does look very good. Um, yeah. I th and then, um, then we've got Davros. Yeah, he's large, isn't he? He's like a six-inch yes, super-sized pop, so he's yeah. going to be huge. Yes. Um, those of you that have picked up the Pop Funko TARDIS uh, figures before, it's that size. You know the larger ones. You know the dematerializing TARDIS. And uh, what was the other one, the Trenzalore TARDIS? Was it Trenzalore one? No, no that's uh, Titan's Trenzalore. So, uh, well, there was mm. another Pop Funko one with like the yellow... Flash yeah, that is Trenzalore, yeah, but it wasn't, it was Titan. Oh, not, Titan, sorry. It's yeah. roughly that size anyway. Mm. Um, so Davros, he looks really good because the detail is really good and, yeah, he just looks so cool. And then he lastly, does. we've got the War Doctor, who just looks amazing. I'm glad you said that because I think he looks brilliant he and I'm surprised that, like, he hasn't got more attention when, when these got pasted <laughs> yesterday because people are mainly excited about, like, the... Um, the other figures, and I, I think the War Doctor one possibly looks the best. I think he's brilliant. He does look amazing. Yeah. Even though he's quite a simple figure, he doesn't have any props with him. He's, he's holding his little Sonic, but yeah, he's got his little Sonic. But just the the hair sculpt and the little goatee beard and the jacket, he looks so good. He's a brilliant figure. Yeah, the wrinkles around the eyes. He's yeah. great. He's an absolute pickup for me. I think yes. I think him, the twelfth Doctor with the guitar and the Tenant. The blue suit in the hand, yeah, thing just looks absolutely brilliant. I guess I know some people. Have been, does it bother you that Davros is big? Some people were, were moaning about that. They were saying, well, "Why? Why is he? Why does he need to be supersized?" Which I, I get because they want it to be in scale with the other figures. But I think it's it's awesome to have a giant Davros. I think I think he'll be great. Yeah, I mean, there is a small part of me that thinks, "Oh, he's going to be way out of place now on he the is. shelf with all the other regular size." Just put him. Put the others. Hang on, let me get it right. Put him in the background so he's further away and have the figures closer in your shelf and then he'll be sort of in proportion. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Solved. But I think it'd be cool because the large, with those larger six-inch ones, you can get a lot more detail. And mm. I think with Davros, that's needed because like the little control console and you know the stuff that he sits in, I, I think it'd be good. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be picking up some of those, won't we? Indeedy. Indeedy. Yes. Right, and lastly in the merch uh, corner, um, for those of you that haven't yet bought the Lethbridge Stewart novels, uh, they've got a two-for-one offer going on uh, up until the 1st of August. Uh, these uh, we, we talk about these quite a lot, and they are so worth picking up. So at the minute, if you buy Moonblink, you get uh, the next one, the Showstoppers, for free. Uh, I bought Moonblink on Tuesday in, I, on my birthday trip to FP, so I was a bit gutted when I saw this. I bought it a few uh, weeks ago, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a good offer. Uh, also, you can buy the, uh, how do you say, it? Shit, shit Schizoid Earth. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, putting us into the X rated section now with my mis mispronunciation. Yeah. The, that one. And you get the Beast of Fan Rock Free, which is a great story. Um, and there's also some other little bits and bobs on the website. So we'll, we'll put a description in the notes, won't we, for this? Uh, click yeah. and have a look. But go to the Candy Jar website. Have a look at the special offers. Yeah, I'll stick them on now. I think, um, yes, they're eight ninety nine each, yeah. which is really good value because they're cracking stories. Yeah, so you basically uh, get two books for eight ninety nine, which is bargain. Bargain time, yeah. Mm. Uh, right, that concludes news and merch. Uh, right, Adam, a Adam, we all bow. Oh, no, I can't do no accent. Come on. <laughs>
We found this up, up, up in lake. Remains everywhere. <laughs> anyway, what are we going to review this week? Well, Mr. Sweet, we're reviewing <laughs> the Crimson Horror. We are going to the north. Sweetville, an ideal community for happy, prosperous workers. No one who ever goes to live there ever seems to come out. I suspect all is not quite as it seems. Time for a plan. You do seem to keep turning up like a bad penny, young man. The Crimson Horror. That's what they're calling it. My plans must be accelerated. Mrs. Gillifly, we've got to stop her. In the wrong hands, that venom could wipe out all life on this planet. The Crimson Horror. E. E. By Mr. Horror. (laughs) (laughs) The Crimson Horror. Uh, this was written by Mark Gattis. <laughs> or Gattis. Or Gattis. Take your prick. Uh, directed by Sal Metstein and uh, was out in May 2013. Gosh, three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. Uh, this was back in the day when uh, we had some really cool artists doing these really nice film style posters for each episode. I was a fan of these posters, actually. Yeah, I thought they, they were a nice idea. They mm. looked very good. Um, uh, one of the posters I really, really liked from that series, actually, I can't remember which, I think it was The Name of the Doctor. It was just like a broken, shattered window with Matt Smith's face looking quite sternly through. It looked very, yeah. very good. Um, so those posters were really... I, I thought I think they added a bit of... extra bit of... Um, Oomph. Sort of anticipation for each episode because you get mm. you got to see, you know, a, a, the feel and the style for the episode. Well, this was series seven, isn't it? Yes. Um, or seven B or whatever, because they split it in two or whatever happened back then. Um, and they were trying to make every episode like a mini film or something, weren't they? What was the idea behind it? It was supposed to be very epic, wasn't it? Every episode gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I think the poster idea was part of that, wasn't it? To make it all feel very epic and big. And, That's right. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Whether they succeeded with that or not is another, is a question for another episode. <laughs> uh, however, I do like the film posters. They were a good idea. They were nice. And they, they were good. Mm. Uh, right. So the Crimson Horror, the plot is essentially quite simple. There's a mad woman who has been, uh, I wouldn't say brainwashed, but she's kind of being controlled by this little red worm thingy called Mr. Sweet. Um, and the idea is that they, um, they're they sort of taken over this Yorkshire town at the time and they're, they're turning humans into these like little display figurines, like, you know, you know, real life little dollhouse figurine people um, sort of experimenting on, experimenting on them um, with this sort of horrible red gungy, uh, venom stuff, I guess, um, mm. and uh, it, it features the the Paternoster gang who are um, sort of sent initially to investigate what's going on because the doctor's nowhere to be seen. Turns out that he was he was in into that sort of uh, he was put into that big vat of red stuff, wasn't he? But the, the process didn't really work on him, so he ended up just being a sort of red zombie thing. Anyway, the doctor um, and mainly Jenny. Um, sort of figure out what's going on. Uh, at the same time, they save Clara. Nobody knows what's going on with Clara except the Doctor, but they save Clara. She was one of these figurines. Um, and at the same time, what's going on, there's this big, you know, Mr. Sweet and 
uh, Mrs. Gillyflower, you know, and all of her sort of minions have sort of devised this huge uh, plan to launch this rocket up into the atmosphere that's going to release all of this red, misty venom gun stuff. Um, but what they don't realise, and the Doctor's trying to tell them, that that's potentially going to just kill everybody. And, yeah, they do stop it. They do stop Mr. Sweet and uh, save Clara. Yes. So it's kind of basic. It's a, it's okay story. Um, you know, normally when we review these things and, um, and we say, on paper, this episode is, you know, amazing and it's got great potential, but potentially mm. the actual execution of the episode or the story didn't really live up to what that potential could be. I found with this one, even the story on paper, I wasn't really into. I don't know about you. How did, how did you feel about this sort of overall? Um, I thought it was, I thought it had a lot of good ideas bubbling in there, but none of them come together particularly well. Um, I found it an okay watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, something's missing. I always find this with Mark Gatiss scripts uh, or stories. I, I can never put my finger on it. It feels like there was some really good elements in there and there was a lot of good stuff going on, but also felt hollow and, and just, I don't know, it didn't quite work somehow. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I found it an, an enjoyable enough watch, but it, yeah, just, just I don't know, just doesn't hit the mark somehow. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of agree with you. I think mm. I think um, it's definitely one of the weaker episodes of series seven. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm looking at the next story, oh, and that's got to be one of the worst. But anyway, yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are worst ones. Mm. Uh, you know, Nightmare in Silver is potentially one of the worst in modern Who. Yes, we know. we've still to review that, so yeah, I'm holding back on that one. But um, yeah, yeah, Series Seven's a mixed bunch, isn't it? Definitely, and I think this one falls down into the weaker bunch for me, um, mm. purely because it. What was the story before it? Journey to the Center of the Tardis. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I thought no, it wasn't. Don't get me wrong, it's not terrible. I didn't finish watching it and and think, well, that was a waste of time or, mm. you know, that you know that's one of those uh, diabolical episodes. It wasn't that bad. But I after I watched it, I did feel, yeah, you know, that could have been so much better. I think the problem for me was the story initially just wasn't, well, it just wasn't good enough. You know, the actual story. Uh, had a couple of good ideas in there, like you said, but I yeah, think even, I like- yeah, even from the get-go, the story before they even wrote the script and got into it, the story for me just wasn't very good. Yeah, I think the story definitely needed um, some sorting out, and I think perhaps the direction as well, because it doesn't flow. That's what I found with it. It's really it's all over the place. Because um, I love some of the ideas that Mark Gas has come up with for this. So I like the idea of the retina capturing the last thing it sees. Yeah, I think that's a really nice idea. Um, and, you know, the whole thing with the <laughs> Mr. Sweet. and I don't know. I think there, there, there is some good stuff in there, but I just found it so all over the place. So I didn't really understand by the end of it exactly what um, Mrs. Gillyflower was trying to achieve either. Um, and, and I didn't understand how she'd managed to get in the position to do what she was doing anyway. Um, so, yeah, I just found it very bitty. I thought there was lots of ideas in there, but they weren't really strung together very well. Yes, that was a problem. Hmm. There wasn't any... Uh, there wasn't 
enough of a good motive for Mrs. Gillyflower doing what she's doing. The only thing we know is Mr. Sweet, which is this little worm thing, um, which is like a, it, it sort of attached itself to her, like a symbiote kind of thing. Mm. It was basically saying to her, you need to do this. There was no rhyme or reason to it. It was just, you need to do this. We need to make this happen. And she's doing it. And we don't really, we don't really know why. Yeah. Cause I was trying to work out why she wants to, I, I get that she wants a sort of perfect race or whatever. And mm-hmm. by using this gunk, she's created that. So she's now going to use it to wipe out, you know, any imperfections. I, I sort of get all that, but it wasn't very clear. I don't think like particularly why, I mean, why would Mr. Sweet want to, a perfect human race. Why would Mr. Mr. Sweet's like a little worm? Uh, why would he be bothered about having a, <laughs> a cleansed human race? I don't know. It just didn't quite work. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. That mm. The story in general just didn't, it didn't hit the mark. Mm. And it's another one of those times where I'm pretty certain that, you know, Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat are just having drinks at the bar. <laughs> and it's like I've got this cracking story mm. for series seven. We've got to do it. And Stephen Moffat in a drunken state's like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. And then before you know it, the handshake's done and he has to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so when Stephen Moffat's reading the script, he's like, oh, what have I got myself into here? I yes. can't tell him no. I've said it now. I said I'll do it. <laughs> So he's probably said, there's a few things we can change. But even then, you know, after you've made your amends and changes and you've tried to improve the script and all that stuff, the the initial seed, the story, just you cannot, you can't sort of paint over the cracks, if you like. Mm. Um, And there are some good things. Don't get me wrong. There are some good things in in this episode. There are some good stuff. Like it looks amazing. The the yeah the production yeah. and visuals are great and when I said about some of the ideas as well I I love the surrealness of it which is something Mark Gattis does come up with quite a lot and does quite well so you know like the bit where the doctor's opening the door and you've got two people sat in like a giant glass yes. um, sort yeah. of thing and just visually ideas like that and the giant speakers that look like gramophone records and don't know the actual look of this episode is is really really good I think yeah yes. yeah the design like mm. those huge gramophones and stuff like that they look really cool and yeah um some of the other things like that the opening shot where that guy is walking up the sort of yorkshire alley and in the background is all these like factories and you can see for miles and so it, it looks really nice you know it's very the, the, the design of the, the episode and the production like you say is really mm. good um i quite like um murray gold's music in this as well it's had this sort of yeah. subtle horror feel to it which is really good. It wasn't if it's of, the period, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's quite nice, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't overbearing because there are times where the music sort of overshadowed the, the dialogue sometimes and stuff like that. But this was fairly good, I thought. The music was really good. Uh, also, I really liked the, the, the sort of look and feel of, the, of Mr. Sweet, the little wormy thing. Yeah, I they, thought he was quite quite well done, actually. Yeah, they had yeah. that nice mix of sort of disgusting little thing that you like. Still kind of cute. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he's got <laughs> yeah. this horrible little, like his little mouth looks disgusting. And he's yeah. every time he's on scene, he has a like, little squelching sound when he's oh, moving and stuff. And like, he's trying to escape at the yeah, end. Yeah. Oh, but on dear. the same token, he's 
a bit of a cute little thing. You mm. don't really want to see him get destroyed into snot, but no, that's quite yeah. gross. That bit at the end, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So he was on quite yeah, I thought he was doing quite well. I quite like Mr. Sweet. Um, I'm surprised they haven't brought out a figure of him. I mean, too late now. But back back <laughs> then, when the character was throwing out figures of just about everything, I'm surprised they didn't do one for him. Um, I'll tell you what did surprise me. I'd forgotten how long it takes the Doctor and Clara to get into this episode. Because <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. we, this is about 15 minutes before they appear, I think. And I was thinking, this isn't supposed to be a Doctor Light one, is it? You know, like blink or, or or some of those so it's um i was sort of thinking where's where's the doctor for goodness sake um because it's basically the peyton oster gang pretty much um keep this episode rolling yes. until yep. matt appears 15 minutes in um and i'll tell you what that's one of the things that could, you know the reveal of matt in that cell should have been done a lot better because it should have been really shocking you should have been like oh my what the how's the you know but it's yep. just kind of like oh Matt's in there I thought it would be <laughs> um, I don't know I think that maybe the direction let this down a little bit as well in terms of things like that it should have been a big reveal and perhaps done just a little bit sooner to make it a bit more shocking because by the time he does make an appearance it's kind of got to be him that's in there you know I don't know um, but yeah so when they do finally appear I think the the story sort of kicks in but also gets quite messy uh, yeah I think the the makeup side of things was pretty good. Like, you know, yeah. when, when somebody has been exposed to that stuff, the red skin, it does look really cool. It does, yeah. But they, sh yeah, maybe the reveal of the Doctor in that state should have been a, a little bit more. Cause it should have been a shock. Yeah, it should have been one of those moments where, like that sort of quintessential Doctor Who moment where the kids are hiding behind the cushion mm. and the adults are like a bit scared as well, but they're intrigued. But yeah, it was a bit of a oh, it's just it's just the I, doctor you, with a red face. Yeah, you weren't surprised when it was him, were you? I mean, who no, else? No. no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was okay. It was okay. It was mm. just um, yeah, like exactly the same as you, mate. I just wanted it to be a bit more of a shock. Mm. Um, and then it's quite maybe they should have drawn that out a bit more as well. Um, like having the doctor in this sort of vulnerable, helpless state. Because it doesn't take long, really, for Jenny to drag him out, shove him in the chamber, and then he's back to normal. Yeah. You know? Mm, I know what you mean. I suppose, I don't know. See, some parts of this story, to me, feel really rushed and crammed in. Because I was mm -hmm. thinking sort of halfway through this, should it have been a two-parter? Because it seems to me that they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink in and none of it's making for... That's what I mean about it being clunky. So the pacing's very all over the place in this. We've got some comedy scenes with... Um, Strikes one minute, then we've got horror elements the next, and it doesn't quite sort of uh, fit together. Um, but I was sort of wondering that. I was thinking, would it have worked better as a two-parter where we got... Because you know the flashback scene where mm -hmm. the Doctor explains how we got in the cage in the first place? Yes. I thought that was a really nice idea um, and sort of broke the episode up quite nicely. But it did kind of make me think, is that just because time-wise, we just need to explain it quickly? Whereas if we'd had a two-parter, we could have seen all that and got you know like the Peyton Oster gang seem to be in full swing right at the start of this episode so it almost feels like we're coming in halfway through a story um, I don't does, think yeah. I don't know I don't think the story is strong enough for a two-parter but I also think it's very cluttered and needed a bit more room to breathe to yeah. make it more enjoyable because I just found myself thinking it's scene after scene of stuff going on but I'm not really that invested in it if you know what I mean no I agree it's um, 
it, it, it all seems to be sort of crammed in. Yeah. You know, there's quite a few things going on. And it can be quite difficult, you know, to make um, a story, which is what, uh, 45 minutes long. It can be quite difficult to make it sort of complex, but not so complex that people don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. But at the same time, you do need, uh, like, the, the most important elements, you need to give them time. And, yeah, like you say, room to breathe. And I think that was one element that could have benefited from that is the why the doctor's there in the first place and yeah mm. i don't know you, you could we could debate this right you know you've got that thing where some episodes of doctor who are really good like some of the classic stories where we just pick up you know the doctor's you know doing something and we're just there <laughs> you know yeah. sort of we're en route to whatever's happening at the time so it can work that way but i think in this instance i think it just needed it needed a bit more of a you know not necessarily reveal of Mr. Sweet, but certainly um, Mrs. Gillyflower. Certainly, we you know what her and why, she, how she got there, and how mm. Sweetville was set up, and all that stuff, and why the Doctor was there. Because it does get rushed in that little flashback sequence, which looks quite good with the whole film. It's a nice, yeah, yeah, and all that. It does look nice, but it's extremely rushed. So you're like, right, you know, Jenny's freedom, and even even he says. In the episode, you know, I'll make it quick or something like that. I'll be quick. Yeah. So, you know, they're even saying, they're even saying to the viewer, you know, we haven't had time to do all this stuff. So here's a quick recap. Here's what happened. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice little scene, but I just mm. sort of made me think, is that just to sort of bring us up to speed or what's happened? Yeah. Because yeah. we don't really, again, Clara's hardly in this, is she? So we don't really sort of know what's happened to her. She's, she's very Clara-like this episode, which... um I think it's probably a good thing <laughs> in some ways yeah yeah no it's um no i agree and there's also the the situation with all of the there's like a lot of unexplained things as well like all of the um people that are working for mrs gillyflower we don't know why they're working for her because you know they all of them don't have a mr sweet symbiote on them so no. how has she done that has she sort of brainwashed them all was she you know, threaten them all, or she, you know, whatever. We don't know. I we, can only assume it's because she's scaring them into with this apocalypse stuff. Yeah. Or well, whatever it is she keeps preaching. Could yeah, be that. Could be that, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because she holds a few seminars, doesn't she? And she mm. puts a scaremonger on everybody and says the apocalypse is nigh and and all that mm. jazz. So, yeah, maybe it's just out of fear. Um, and then we also have the whole Sweetville thing itself. You know, as far as we know from some of the characters that are, that are talking about it it's just popped up <laughs> you yeah know, it's just there you know one week it's not the next week it's there and it's fully functioning and you know people are going in and not coming out you know we don't really know there's no explanation as to why it, you know sorry how it got there yeah you know, and all that stuff so there there is a few sort of empty empty bags that needed filling up I think it needed more time to breathe, but mm. just unfortunately, I think the downside of that is it isn't hasn't got a strong enough story at the heart of it to yeah. to warrant warrant a two parter. Yeah, yeah, true. Right, let's talk about some people in it. Um, mm. Let's kick off then with the Paternoster gang because they are, yeah, you know, they are sort of the driving force of the story, and we it's um it's a highly debatable subject, isn't it? The Paternoster gang, you know, these three people who are. Sort of, because there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, around this time that they were going to have their own spin-off show. There were so many rumors. I'm surprised they didn't actually. And I think, um, although 
I only like them in small doses myself. Um, I would imagine that kids would like these guys. They're, they're I mean, Strax, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for kids, but I would think they would find him funny, would they? I would Whereas say I so. find Whereas yeah. I find him good in some episodes and annoying in others. <laughs> but I don't know. I would imagine kids might like a spin-off of these back then. I don't think now they would couldn't care less about them. But, yeah, I think back then they might have made for quite a good spin-off. I think they work okay in this story, actually. I don't think they're too bad in it at all. I think they work quite well in terms of the investigation. And um, and I think Jen is good in it as well. I really quite like her in this story. Um, so, yeah, I think they're all right. I, I think they work quite well. Yeah, I like Jenny. She's a good she's a good character, actually, because you've got that, that duality going on where um, around Vastra, she's very much the, especially when they're at their home and people go to see them, she's very much just the maid. Yeah. You know, and she that's the sort of image that they need to put across to sort of remain normal in society. So she's the maid, she does all that stuff. But when they're out on the job investigating all that stuff, she's very much the um sort of Vastra's ninja. She's, if you like, yeah. you know, she's uh, the one that handles all the um all the violence and getting into a punch up and stuff. Yeah. So she's and quite a good character. Yeah, I think she's a good character. I think she works quite well with Matt's Doctor as well. Uh, I didn't mm. find Strax too annoying in this one either, apart from the Tom Tom joke, which was as really crowbarred in there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, which falls completely flat. Um, I didn't find him too bad because sometimes the Strax humour, I think, perhaps gets a bit too much, especially in Series 8. Um, well, no, actually, no, he's only in Deep Breath and But you know what I mean? Sometimes the humour from Strax's character is, is, is just a bit silly. Um, but I thought he was all right in this. I didn't find him too bad. I thought it was some good moments with him. Um, and I like Vastra as well. So I thought, yeah, I thought it was a sort of little team. They, mm-hmm. they, they weren't too bad. Yeah, I don't mind Strax, you know. I think he's okay. Though I remember when he first popped up in, in this as this character alongside Vastra mm. and Jenny. There were so many complaints from people saying, you know, this this shouldn't be happening. You know, he's a Santaran. You know, yeah. When, when you when you have a Santaran and you make him into this sort of sort of comic relief side character, it just makes the Santarans, you know, it just dilutes their threat as this really good Doctor Who villain and monster and stuff. Mm. And I never bought into that. I never I never thought that was an issue because, you know, out of a race of people, and there's potentially millions of Santarans, you know, as a race of people. Um, you know, to have one sort of rogue character is actually pretty good because look at the Doctor. You know, mm-hmm. out of a race of millions of people of like the Time Lords, you know, he's this rogue one character that's often very funny and, you know, stuff like that. So it's not really fair to sort of slap that onto Strax to say, you know, he's this one Centauran that lets them all down sort of thing. Yeah. Do you know what? You may, you may have just changed my mind a little bit on that actually after what you've just said because i yeah i do sometimes feel that strax has diluted the sontaran race in terms of uh, being a great villain but maybe you've got a point maybe i'll maybe i'll think again because yeah. um yeah i do like strax i do think he does bring some nice humor to it but i do sometimes think it does make the sontarans into a bit of a joke but you know what i think actually more what's that episode where um the tenant episode the two-parter with the sontarans because they're a bit I think that episode probably does more damage to them than, than Strax, to be honest. Yes, exactly. Although I haven't watched it for ages, hence why I can't even remember the title. I think it's the Centauran Stratagen. 
That's that's it. Yeah, with that yeah. that annoying kid. Yes. Um. Yeah, I'll have to go back and give that a watch. But yeah, I just think like a lot of things, the Cybermen, the Sontarans, uh, the Daleks, their threat has been really diluted over the Moffat era. Um. Well, sorry, over since the show come back. Actually, sorry, I'm putting the blame at Moffat's feet. But actually, since the show come back, I mean, I don't find this new series Cybermen scary in the least no no um you know not not at all so yeah sorry Moffat I'm blaming you for that but it's not your fault actually that's uh that goes back to the RTD era doesn't it but um <laughs> but yeah I do think that's that's an overall issue uh to be honest yes so I don't mind Strax he's all right he's all right um and Vastra she's she's a fairly good character I like her her sort of authority and you know knowledge and stuff she's very good and the makeup <laughs> superb I know, yeah. I know you prefer the old style. <laughs> um, the old style. Uh, Silurian. Sil- Sil- yeah, sorry. Silurians, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the makeup is so good for Vastra. She, I, yes, I don't I'll like give it. That. Yeah. Well, no, no, I don't mind her, actually. It's just that, again, it's just going that, that two parts of the Silurian. I just, yeah, I just find, I don't like the new design. But no, no, I think she's, she's fine, actually. And I quite like the way she plays the character and stuff. So I don't have any complaints to the... Yeah. Peter Noster gang in this at all, really. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, one character that I found hilarious in the story <laughs> yeah. was the guy that just keeps passing out. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he that has, classic gag. Yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say, actually. Yeah, it's a classic thing, isn't it? Um, and he only has a few lines of dialogue, but I just love the way that he pops up. And then right at the very end as well, when he sees the TARDIS dematerializing, that's him gone again. He's on yeah. the floor, so... Um, he didn't really do much. Um, I don't even know his name. I think it's, uh, what was his name? It could have been Edmund. What, he looks like an Edmund. Edmund. I don't know what his name was, actually. Yeah. Looking at the cast list, we've got Dipped Man, <laughs> yeah. Thomas Thomas. So oh, he gets a credit. Um, I'll tell you the character I liked, who's only in a very short scene, and it's at the start, is the guy in the morgue. He's sort of um, obviously clearly loves his job. Oh, you know, he's, he's, like in really it, so, he's in it another time, isn't he? When the uh, he? yeah, when I think uh, the doctor goes back, goes to see him because he's got, or somebody goes to see him, and he's got like a jar of that red gunk thing in his collection. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, he's so funny, isn't he? I just liked him. Yeah, I thought again, nice little uh, character actor that guy. Yeah, he's he good. I don't know if he's a Yorkshireman by sort of natively but it has a very good yorkshire accent because mm. the accents aren't too bad in this actually are they because that's the he's the guy that sort of turned the title isn't it from the crimson horror to the crimson horror yeah you sort of omit the h on the horror that sort of typical yorkshire what's that great line in it where they they give him an alternative title and matt's does the brilliant thing that Matt does as the doctor. He's like, no, 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 actually I prefer the Crimson Horror much better. But they, they say something else at one point, don't they? Oh yes. Yeah. They, is that I, him? Oh, crikey. Is that the morgue guy? It I is the remember. morgue guy. Yeah. He, he, he's also talking about, known as, yeah, he's talking about bodies turning up in the canal, you know, and yeah, he does say something else. And Matt Smith's like, yeah, I prefer the Crimson. Yeah. Crimson yeah. Horror. He was really funny actually. Yeah. Um, right. What about, um, Mrs. Gillyflower. Diana Rigg. Yes. Wow. Great performance, I thought. I liked her. Yes. As the old crone. Yeah. Um, Script-wise and story-wise, you know, I think, yeah, I think we've already established could have been a lot better for this. But what Mm. she had, I thought her performance was great. 
Yeah, I really liked her. I thought she was quite convincing as an, a, a, quite an evil old battle axe. And um, what she must have thought when she, when she got into makeup and they were putting that thing on her chest, <laughs> she must have wondered what she'd got herself into, I should think, having Mr. Sweet stuck to her. Stuck to her. Um, yeah, that that is a strange reveal, isn't it? it when is, she starts yeah. undoing her top and Mr. Sweet's there and she's feeding it salt. And that is a... <laughs> That is a very strange thing. Um, this, actually, this episode is very strange overall, isn't it? All these little things are a bit... It's a weird one, isn't it? Oh, well, I'm just thinking, a lot of the time I think back to like the League of Gentlemen and how that was quite weird. And you can definitely see uh, some of that creeping through in this, I think. Um, yeah. Cool. Probably not enough. It probably could have done a bit more horror. But but yeah, I, I like uh, I like the character of Mrs. Gillyflower as a villain. I think she does come across as um, suitably just a nasty piece of work i mean she's horrible to ada her daughter, her daughter isn't she yeah 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 and um, that's her daughter in real life isn't it uh i don't know all right i'm just gonna check that yes but mm-hmm. um yeah mrs gillyflower and there was also when we yes it of, is, yeah, oh, it is? Oh, okay cool yeah um when we talk about weird stuff the actual concept as well of having the people turned into sort of these motionless figurines that's really creepy as well it's a bit of a weird one. Yes, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Mrs. Gillyflower, I thought she was good as the sort of merciless um, old crone, as you put it. Because she actually, you know, it's clear that she doesn't give two hoots about Ada. No, and you know? it turns out that because she says that um, Ada's blindness and scars are from were inflicted on by her ex-husband or something, doesn't she? Yeah. When in actual fact, it turns out that it was her experimenting on her is that's it? right yep so because you were saying earlier is is mrs gillyflower really an evil old bag or or is it because of this mr sweet that's attached to her or mm. is it both i i think it's a bit of both i think she was a bit of an old dragon to begin with and having mr sweet is just pushed <laughs> her over the edge because yeah. i absolutely love the scene at the end when she gets uh, knocked off the stairs and she's lying on the floor dying and and uh, ada comes over and she asks if ada will forgive her and Ada says, never. Never, yeah. And, but what I love is Mrs. Gillyflower loves it. It's like she, that's, she wanted her to say that, didn't she? She's like, good. That's my you know, girl, yeah. That's, that's my girl, yeah. yeah. It's like if she'd have said, of course I forgive you, she'd have probably slapped her just before <laughs> her final breath, you know. So I really liked that. She's just sort of, I wouldn't say evil through and through, but she's just a particularly vile person, <laughs> you know. And I thought she played it really well, yeah. Yes, um, and Ada, yeah, I thought she was really good. There are times when you see actors playing blind people and they kind of get it, but there are certain scenes where they let it slip, you know, and when they're talking to people, they're looking straight at them and all that stuff. But I thought that um, uh, Rachel Sterling was really good playing like the sort of blind, deprived daughter. I thought she was really good. Yeah, I did as well. I thought she gave a really great performance. Um yeah, good, well acted, like you said. Um, I, I like it when she finds out that Monster Doctor has escaped and she's like, no! Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, no, I thought she was a really nice performance, actually. And um, yeah, I, I'm just reading down because apparently I think it, she is, they are mother and daughter in real life and apparently Mark Gattis sort of pretty much created the parts for them, I'm reading, okay. so, to an extent yeah. anyway, because they've never acted together in a production up until this point is what it was. I think he got chatting to him somewhere, probably some party or whatever. And they said, Oh yeah, we're both, we're both actors, but we've never been in something together. 
and they because we've never sort of seen a script that we want to be in something together and he said well let's let's do something about that so i think that's how they ended up being right in these right. roles but they, it works really really well i think yeah, yeah it does yeah very good i like that um uh right let's get clara out of the way because she's hardly in it she's um, hardly in it is she and when she is in it oh, i wish she wasn't because i just something about series seven clara i don't know what it is she's just cocky and she's she doesn't feel like she's given much of a performance. And I don't know. I, I didn't click with Clara at all until she hooks up with Capaldi, really. Mm-hmm. When I think Jenna really sort of... And it might be down to the script. It might not be Jenna's fault. Um, but she just feels like a really hollow character in this. And I I don't like her sort of smugness um, at all. So not a fan of Clara. I'm glad she's only in it briefly. She is only in it, yeah. Which is quite good. I mean, there's quite... The bit a bit with the chair is funny. I'll give her that. Oh, well, where, she, got, where the doctor gets his yeah. sonic and she's like, "Oh, we don't need that. I've got a chair." And I yeah. thought, "Yeah, that's fun." Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, she has quite a key scene at the end, though, when she finds oh. the laptop. I, I know you don't like it, and I know a lot of fans of it's too it's like awful. I know, but it's quite key in sort of the overall arc for series it is seven. An absolutely terrible bit of writing, I and I, I think the Moffat came in and wrote it, didn't he? Didn't I, he write absolutely, Moffat all over it because. It's, it, yeah, because they go through like the photos, don't they, that they found of her. But These then, annoying kids, yeah. But then they find the Victorian photo and she doesn't know, she doesn't recognise that one. So it's like a sort of timey-wimey bit where it's like a future episode or a future story where she's in like, you know, she just doesn't recognise that photo of herself as, as the Victorian version of Clara. So it's definitely Moffat all over it. But it's quite key for the overall series. It's key for the arc, yeah. but it, it brings in those annoying kids. Um, why would they suss that she's a time traveller? Why would they even find these pictures? It, it, it's I hate that end scene. I literally, if I yeah. if I ever watch this episode again, I will literally switch off when the TARDIS leaves because it ruins it. Well, it's not that great anyway, but it's a terrible scene. It's really badly written. It's really badly acted, and it's. Yeah, it's only there to serve a purpose to get the kids into the next episode and, and like you said, to forward the arc of Clara. Um, yeah, I'm just going to start that because I hate that scene. It makes me want to smash my television set. Okay. <laughs> it does. I hate it. Right. I knew it was coming up. All the way to the episode, <laughs> I kept thinking that blimmin' end scene. Yeah. Right, Eo, while Adam sits down. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to take a swig of water. Yeah, so yeah, Clara's not in it much. Um, which is not a bad thing overall. Um, let's talk about the Doctor, Mr. Smith. Matt Smith in a bowler hat, absolutely superb. Looks good in a bowler hat. He does. He really suits a bowler hat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great performance. Um, I think it's not his fault, but I think they could have done a bit more with him. You know, like we said, when they revealed him as Mm. in you know is like the frozen character in the red skin i think they could have done a bit more around that to make it a bit more shocking so i think that's not his fault i think that's more of a directional thing yeah um but he still plays it very well you know he's still you know he's just his mouth sort of gaping open and he's trying to sort of direct jenny on where to go and stuff like that um and then when he's back to his normal self it's really good matt smith isn't it it's like that sort of nice little quick comical bits mixed with um sort of quite not emotional but quite sort of in, in intense moments you know really classic great matt smith as the doctor 
Yeah, Matt always does handle the humour well. I think um, when you know, I think that is one thing. I, I think Moffat got got the character right for his Doctor, and I think Matt ran with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do. I, I was. I can't think of many episodes where Matt's not good. Um, apart from one that is springing to mind, which we haven't reviewed yet, so I'm not going <laughs> to say it. But but I generally think he, Matt's a great Doctor, and I I I feel we often hold stories together um i think he's really good fun in this one like you said does a good accent does the humor well does the horror well it's, it's quite um it's quite horrible when he's the monster you sort of think you know because he can't sort of speak almost can he yeah. he's like yeah. so that's quite horrific um yeah so another great performance from matt i think yes and thank god for matt smith sometimes honestly mm. because some of the stories that he had to work with uh, are shocking yeah. And if it wasn't for him, you know, they would have gone down, you know, they would have mm-hmm. been so, I mean, you can only do so much, can't you, with what you're given, you know? So if you're, if you have to act in a, in a bad story with a bad script, you've just got to suck it up and deal with it. You know, with someone like Matt Smith, who probably doesn't have much power in terms of, I want that rewritten, you know, I want that changed. You know, we probably can't, you know, as the leading man, he probably has some influence, but he can't just turn around to Stephen Moffat and say, that's crap. No. You know, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> you know, you, have, you sort of have to suck it up and get on with it. So this is one of those examples where if it wasn't for Matt Smith, you know, this would have come, this would have been like a, a one out of 10 job. Yeah, I don't know. I think the, the Peyton Noster game bring it up slightly for me. I think they, the story kind of works well around them. That's true, actually. That's um, yeah, a bit harsh. Maybe like, you know, it would have been a lower score anyway. Mm, um, yeah. But that that was quite, I mean, that's quite indicative of Series 7 and probably most of Series 6, actually, mm. where there were some not fantastic stories, but yet Matt Smith somehow manages to pull it out of, you know, a potentially terrible episode. Mm, so it's, thank God for Matt. Yeah. Yeah, he's always fun when he's on screen, I think. That's good. It, like you said, even if you get a below-par story, I think Matt's always quite fun to watch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that bit where Mrs. Gillyflower falls over the balcony down the stairs, sort of leans <laughs> over, he's like, oh, it's going to mm. hurt. You know, he doesn't really show yeah. any concern. He's sort of that funny... He sort of thinks yeah. she's got her comeuppance. I must yeah. admit, the first time I watched this, I didn't like um, the fact... I didn't like the Doctor's reaction when Mr. Sweet gets killed because I felt... It seemed out of place for the doctor because I was oh, thinking, yeah. no, he always yeah. sort of, um, he'll always look after a race, you know, if even if they're evil, he'll always try and make them see the right side, you know, a bit like the yeah. Silurians, he'll always try and show them that there's another way. Um, so when Mr. Sweet gets splattered uh, by Ada, um, and the doctor kind of just, I thought he laughed, he doesn't laugh actually, does he? He kind of just sort of pulls a, a funny face and he's not really bothered. <laughs> That bugged me the first time I ever watched this. I was thinking, no, the Doctor wouldn't. He'd he'd be a bit. He'd probably try and stop her and say because he's going to take Mister Sweet back to wherever, isn't he? He's going to just, you know, yeah. basically take him <laughs> off of Earth, get rid of him. Um, so I think, yeah, he probably. It didn't bother me as much this time, but I still think it's uh, should have been a little bit like he should have at least said, "Oh no, don't! Oh, you've done it now." <laughs> You know, but he doesn't. He just kind of laughs almost. And I thought yeah. that's a bit undoctorish. He was going to take Mister Sweet off to a, a better place. Maybe it's because I, I quite like Mister Sweet. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there are a couple of times in the Moffat era where the Doctor does do that. What was that episode where there was that guy, the guy who played William Yours- Hartnell in? 
yeah, dinosaurs or spaceship. You've just reminded me of some of yeah. I know exactly what you're thinking of because yeah, there's a bit at the end there? of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't care because um, he could have saved him. Mm. And then he actually says something to that character, um, something like, oh, "I can't." I, it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, and me, yeah. But yeah, there's like a little line by the doctor where he basically sends him off to his death. Yeah, you know, and that was very undoctorish because I remember at the time thinking, "Whoa, that's not that's not the doctor," mm, especially um, not Matt's doctor. Like mm. you can imagine Capaldi's doctor doing it. But, yes, not but not Matt's doctor. Mm. Mm. So, but I kind of like that because it just shows that perhaps they are one of the same person, and it's a side of him that perhaps we don't see. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Actually, I haven't watched Dinosaurs for a long time. Long time. Yeah. Um, I'll have to. We'll have to do that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, poor Tegan. She gets a bit of a a dig, doesn't she? In this. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. She gets a I bit really of a dig. That. What was that she about? Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. The gobby Australian. <laughs> And he says Braveheart Clara, doesn't he? I liked that little that little throwback to yeah. Tegan. Yeah, because he's yeah. Cause Clara- he's basically comparing her to Tegan saying, Stop moaning about come back to Earth. Yeah, because Clara's like, oh, something like we're lost. Because they land in the wrong time period or the wrong location or something. That's right. And yeah, uh, yeah he's like, I had this problem <laughs> trying to get a gobby Australian back to Heathrow Airport. And I was like, <laughs> oh, come on. Janet Fielding would have liked that though. I think yeah. she's she could she's tough enough to take it, don't worry. She was gobby though. Oh, trying to get back. Yeah. <laughs> a broken been... clock tells get <laughs> what she said. <laughs> a broken clock tells better time than you. <laughs> she storms out here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, a bit of a dig there for against Tegan. But it was quite funny though. Yeah, it's a nice, nice little inclusion. Yeah. yeah. Anything else you want to mention about this dude before we get on to uh, on scores? No, I don't think so. No, I think we've right. covered it. Right. I've got my. I feel better for getting my rant out of the way. Good. About Good. the ending. Yeah. Right, who's, Therapy. who's going to go first? I think it's me. It's you this week, yep. this I, year. I will give this a 6.5. Oh, we agree. Oh, really? Yeah. Hold on, Adam's showing me his notepad. I'm showing you my notepad, just like they do on Countdown, on when Skype. they don't believe they've got the same word. Yeah, 6.5. He hasn't rubbed it out or anything either. It is actually a 6.5. No, yeah, no, I haven't. That's, I've scribbled something out of the bottom. Um, yeah, it, it could have so easily been a seven if they'd have just, I don't know, just got it together a bit more with this one. Because I do do like some of the stuff going on in it. Um, and like I said, I found it an easy enough watch. I certainly wasn't sat there, apart from the end, I certainly wasn't sat there, um, you know, bored. I found it quite a quite a good little ride. But but yeah, no, 6.5, It potential falls a bit flat. Yep, 6.5 for me. It's it's just two real easy things for me on this one. The first one is the story just wasn't great. Mm. So no matter how good the script is going to be and all that stuff, just the underlying concept and the story just wasn't there for me. And the second thing is I wanted it to be scarier. I wanted yeah. I wanted this one to have a more of a creepy, sinister, you know, scare the crap out of kids vibe to it. It could so could have done that, as which well. they could have done, yeah. But they just yeah. decided to. Maybe that I don't know the reasons why, but yeah, I just I wanted it to be a scary one, you know, like what was there, hide, you know, well, like was, like the poster suggests. If you look at the poster, it's real hammer horror. And you yeah. think, oh, this is Mark Gatiss. This is going to be jumpy. Yeah, and it wasn't. Yeah, so that was it for me. But six point five across the board. Mm. What did you guys think? Uh, we're going to kick off with an audio review. This is from Alex Kingdom. Hello, Garland from the Ridley Books podcast. Now the Crimson Horror, or the Crimson Horror, 
however you say it. Is it the Crimson Aura? The Crimson Aura. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna end that now. Um, so, um, the Crimson Horror is there. Um, it's the best way to describe it. Like, I wouldn't choose to watch it, but it's okay. I mean, it's just not entertaining as a Doctor Who story. I mean, the Paternoster Gang are well written. I think that is what drives the story, how good the Paternoster Gang are, are written in it. But the Doctor's kind of, eh. Clara's kind of, eh. Mr. Sweet <laughs> kind of looks like a small little jelly bean on her shoulder with a mouth. Like, that's threatening, apparently. And then the woman, yeah, she's apparently the villain, but apparently she's doing it for Mr. Sweet. Um, no, I don't like this story. I just think it's so confusing, but... Yeah. Um, the, the only thing that drives it is the Paddlestar Gang for me. But anyway, I also do like where Matt Ga- Mark Matt? Mark Gators had written in, oh, I've got a Sonic, and Claude goes, I've got a chair. Because it's like, Moffat, you don't need to use a Sonic each time. <laughs> and it kind of seemed like uh, Gators was writing that in his own script to Moffat. Um, so I'm going to give uh, The Crimson Horror a 4.5 out of 10. It's not one of my favourites, guys, honestly. See you guys next week. Cheers, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Mm. Well done on winning the comp, by the way. Yes, well done. Yes. Um, um, I do agree with him, actually, uh, on quite a bit of that. Um, but I won't have anything said against Mr. Sweet. <laughs> I like Mr. Sweet. <laughs> Sorry, my cat just walked in. Shut up. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, only one on Twitter. This was from a Twitter user called uh, Whovianisms99. Uh, great story, which features the return of my favourite trio, uh, surprisingly well written for a Gattis episode. Mm, okay. Good. Thanks very much. Good stuff. Uh, on Facebook, Callum MacArthur says, favourite story from Gattis and from Series 7, apart from the snowmen. Uh, I like the inclusion of the Paternoster gang uh, and the fighting scenes with Jenny. Monster not that great of a payoff, but overall I would give it a 6 out of 10. See you guys on Sunday. Yes, nice one. Uh, Danny Brown says, terrible. Why did the BBC ever think this was a good idea? Uh, Silly script, terrible villain, and the only thing holding the story together is Matt Smith's performance. Okay, maybe that's a little harsh, um, but five out of ten. P.S. Hope you had a great day, Adam. Enjoy the show. Oh, thanks. Thanks, mate. Uh, More audio. This is Owen Daly. Hello and hope you are both very well and enjoying the show this week. Uh, Congratulations once again on 100. Uh, 100 episodes was great. But now we're on to 101. So, The Crimson Harbour by Mark Gatiss. Now, Series 7, I think, was a dodgy time. And Crimson Horror is one of my favourite episodes of the series. Uh, which does show how kind of a bit of a poor season this was. Because I'm not a huge fan of Crimson Horror. I think it's an alright story. It starts off very, 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 poten- like, with great potential with the Paternoster Gang investigating the Crimson Horror. But as soon as the Doctor kind of gets involved, I found the story started to bit slip in quality. And the monster doctor I thought was a bit of a boring addition to the story. It helped move the story along, but I just didn't find it too intriguing. Clara, I thought it was good how she was excluded from the story because it would have been a bit too confusing with uh, her and the Paternoster gang. But I have to say, Paternoster gang, I'm not up for a spin-off with them. I don't like them that much, but I really do like the, Crim- um, the Paternoster gang, especially Strax in the story. So overall, I guess, yeah, I really did enjoy the story. Well, I... I I enjoy the story, and I give it about a 6.5 out of 10. So thanks for listening, and enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you, Owen. Excellent. Another 6.5. Another one, yeah. Mm. Uh, Continuing on Facebook, Lewis Palmer says, probably my favourite from a pretty weak series. Uh, 
Uh, a nice standalone, goofy, funny little adventure. Cast are great. Strax is all right in this. Uh, the Thomas Thomas thing does make me laugh. Uh, not much to say here, other than I've always really liked this one. 7.5. Cheers, Lewis. Smiley face. <laughs> Sammy Satine. She says, so Mrs. Gillyflower preaches about the coming apoc apocalypse. And instead of being locked away, she's allowed to keep preaching and put up this charade of keeping people safe from the apocalypse, when in fact she just wants to kill them all. Worse, she has knowingly taken a prehistoric parasite. Uh, I think she is seriously demented. <laughs> uh, the actress who plays her does a brilliant job. I feel sorry for Ava, her daughter. Her own mother blinded her. That's child abuse. And I do like how she beats Mr. Sweet to a pulp at the end. The actress who played her was in a big finish I listened to recently, and she was great in that too. Oh. Uh, as to the story, uh, it's better than Night Terrors and Sleep No More. As to the Doctor, I especially don't like it when he randomly decides to snog Jenny. That's sexual assault. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I always thought the Doctor was better than that. Other than that, Matt does a good job in this. I like the variation on his outfit. Um, but that ending uh, with the Maitland kids, Angie and Artie, finding out Clara is a time traveller and bullying her into asking them into a TARDIS is unnecessary. I like seeing the Paternoster gang. Why haven't they got their own spin-off? I would watch it. Clara's okay. I still think the constant reference to the Impossible Girl story is a bit much, especially considering we know how it le how it leads to. Overall, not a bad effort by Mark Gattis, though I still think he's written better. Six out of ten. Ah, fair enough. Cheers, Thank Sammy. You, Sammy. Uh, I am uh, dreading when we review um, Night Terrors, by the way. Oh, crikey. Yeah. Uh, because, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyways. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. George Coppen. A good but not brilliant episode. Mr. Sweet is pretty pointless. Rachel Sterling and Diana Rigg do a really good job. I just feel like something's missing from this episode, but not sure what. Six out of ten. Mm, yeah, I, that's how I feel. Yeah, mm. I agree with you. Uh, lastly on Facebook, Mark Atkinson says, Great episode. My favourite of Series 7, in fact. I love Matt Smith's Yorkshire accent. Mark Gattis at his best. Yeah, cheers, Mark. I bet he'll be buying that um, guitar... Funko 12 pop. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he didn't like that. I thought he would. Mark's a real rocker. Okay. And, uh, well, actually, yeah. And um, yeah, I thought he'd love 12 of guitar. Turns out he didn't. <laughs> Let us know if you're getting it, Mark. Uh, and last audio clip. This is Jay Kent. Hello, Darians. Add them up. You're doing all fine. Now, the Crimson Horror. I'm going to stop that. The Crimson Horror. I'm on the side that really likes this episode. While it has a lot of flaws, I think the characters are incredible. The story of Ada is so emotional, and Rachel Sterling is brilliant as her. The Paternoster gang are, as always, good, even though I have a distaste for Strax. He's so blatantly comic relief that he spits on everything the Sontarans are. Vastra, I think, is passable, as she has the mana Salarians have, and Jenny is outstanding, my favourite of the crew. The Doctor is a bit raunchy in this, with all the kissing and expressions and sonic imagery, but other than that, I think it's superb. The settings are amazing, and despite everything that it does wrong, Series 7 continues its run of beautiful lighting and cinematography. But however, the last scene with the kids, I literally had to turn it off and walk away. It's bad enough that we have a whole episode with them. It's the less they're thought about, the better. <gasps> you have a boyfriend who time travel. Shut up. But uh, no, despite all that and despite all the bad things, I'm going to dish this one an 8 out of 10. An underrated ep, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, hope you have a good week and I'll see you next time. <laughs> Cheers, Jay. That was annoying, wasn't it? You've got a boyfriend. who's Oh, don't yeah. get me started. Thank you very much, Jay. Entertaining as always. Did you have anything over on the Geek's oh, Handbag page? Yes, I did. Yeah, oh, I was so engrossed in Jay's audio, I've uh, switched off the phone. Choppy, choppy. Right, yes, Come I did. On. 
Come on. Callum Johnson, he says, Strax and the Tegan reference were the highlights. Clara was the most annoying part of this episode for me, and it's got a very average plot. Callum is giving it four out of ten. Four. Thank you, Callum. So what are Callum's? Yeah, so quite, mm, quite medium to low scores for this one. There's a couple of people mm-hmm. that really like it, but overall, not one of Series 7's best. It's a bumpy ride, Series 7. It but- is. Is yep. is it more bumpy than Series 6? Because I think there are episodes like this one, which, uh, okay, it's not that great, but I'll happily sit there and watch it. But I, whenever I think of Series 6, I never want to put that set on. And to be fair, I haven't watched it for so long that my opinion of those stories might change a hell of a lot. I might love it when we come to rewatch some of them. But, you know, I don't know. Series 7, it's, it's a funny one. Yeah. But the reason why we picked this one, actually, because when we were looking through our our schedule of stuff and mm. looking at um, uh, episodes that we're going to review for each Doctor. When we looked at the um, at the 11th Doctor, we said we haven't done hardly any from sort of Series 6 onwards. Mm. We've only done three. I don't just don't gravitate or, or towards four. 6 and 7. Yeah, so yeah. that's why we chose one out of Series 7. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to go through some of those other ones. Um and just see what what the deal is there with six and seven because it is very mixed. Some people very. absolutely love it, and some people just can't stand it. So, mm. yeah, it will be interesting. Um, anyways, that's a crimson horror done and done. Uh, mm. What we're going to do next week, my good fellow? Next week, uh, change, my dear. Not a moment too <laughs> soon. Uh, it's the sixth Doctor uh, classic next week, so we're going to be looking at Vengeance on Varos. Uh-huh. Vengeance on Varos. Oh, Sill. Can oh, you do Syl. a Sill impression? No. I need to get some water gargling. I was going to say, yeah, that's a, yeah. Can't do yeah. that. Just, I need to warm up, dude. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I threw, threw, that, well, I threw that one at you. Yeah, can't just say do it. No, no. Okay. Jesus, maybe <laughs> Save Sunday. it for next week. <laughs> uh, but yes, Vengeance on Varos. I've only seen this one <laughs> once. I've had it on DVD for, I don't know, ages. I've only watched it once. Got visions of you dressed as Sill <laughs> the London Film Comic by me pushing you around on the trolley. Oh, God. Oh, um, there's, a, there's a cosplay for you. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to re-watching this one because I've only watched it once. Mm-hmm. Yes. So yep. It's going to be, a good, be a good one to do. Yes, yeah. indeedy. And I think we'll do there. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us for episode 101, 101, 101. I'll take your pick. Some great news items this week. Yeah, it was some good stuff, actually, yeah, coming but, through. Particularly interested in the Torchwood stuff. Mm. We'll keep an eye on that to see what Mr. Barrowman manages to, to accomplish with whoever it is on the end of this phone call. If anyone can do it, he can. Captain Jack. Mm. Yeah. Congratulations to Alex for the winning the giveaway. We'll be in touch very soon to arrange your details and get that stuff sent out to you. It's going to be a, a T-shirt with our new logo on and some other Doctor Who goodies. Uh, somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, um, if they didn't win the contest, would they still be able to buy a T-shirt? Uh, and the answer to that is yes, that will be possible. In the next couple of weeks, um, you'll be able to, there'll be a, one of those online stores where you can purchase it and they'll print it and send it so we'll get the details out on social 
probably week after next something like that nice I like the new logo yeah that's good mm. thank you uh, right um, <laughs> thank you for sending in your audio clips and your reviews and all that stuff uh, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all the other episodes plus link off to Twitter and Facebook and you can also subscribe to the show via iTunes and other stuff and if you are an iTunes listener if you could give us a review and a rating that would be fantastic mm. helps us out a lot thank you very much those of you that have left reviews you're so wonderful they're really nice thank you very much thank you guys remember to check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag some cracking stuff up there just do a search for him over on YouTube and Facebook some really really good videos you will not be disappointed go and subscribe watch them all spend an afternoon just watching them all they're so good new one up soon I'm, I'm really pleased actually with this new one um, I'm just going to do the final little tweaks this afternoon so it should be up uh, tonight oh, cool. um, it, it's me going on a search for the B&M sets you know the new Doctor Who figures ah yes um, but yep. rather than just doing a little review I thought I'd take you with me on the journey to try and get my grubby little hands on them <laughs> so I'm yeah I'm quite pleased with the new vid so that'll be up tonight nice one good stuff right until next week my name's Gary my name's Adam I want to see if my Doctor Who magazine's arrived <laughs> remember <laughs> uh... Uh...